Welcome to Vermont Artists and Authors, where we interview great storytellers and artists from the amazing Green Mountain State. This is episode 14. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the award-winning indie author, Reiki master, teacher, certified shamanic practitioner, Sarah Woodard. Sarah, Hi. how are you doing? It's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And we were talking before we went on the air. You now, in a, in a previous interview, you said that your job, what you want to do, not your job, your goal yes. is to produce 300 children's books. Correct. Wow. Yes. And just for the record, I did not pull that number out of my behind. That is how many books Richard Scarry published. And I think he's pretty amazing. And I want to be at least as amazing as he is. Right. So, or was, I should say. But Yes. So, so talk to us because I, I have, I've been just enthralled by just you know, you know, reading about your background and learning. Well, I mean, about clearly, because you forgot to do your intro. <laughs> <laughs> that part will probably the, the, the part we were talking before we intro. I'll put that. That'll be a good outro. That'll be a good outro segment. I'll put in like uh, behind the credits there. There you go. <laughs> but you, so I, I was been fascinated by the fact that all the. But you have a pretty long and storied, you know, career as, as we said, like um, look, working on some other books about, you know, spirit guides. Yeah. Um, and you've also been very focused as well on things that as, as what your, your editor friend said, like, uh, like eco activist themed books. Yes. And yes, well, so, the eco activists are all kids' books. Yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. Give people a bit of a background and, and to way to just kind of give people a little bit of a kind of a history how you got into writing all these books. Sure. So I won't tell you my entire life story because we don't have time for that, but I do need <laughs> to roll back to childhood for just a quick second. Um, <laughs> so I know it doesn't seem like it now, but I was very, very shy as a kid, like to the point of would not talk to my parents if there was other people around. Okay. We're talking like painfully shy. And so for me, recess at school was a lot of me sitting alone on the playground, talking to the rocks and the plants and the trees and the bugs and whatever. And it took me a long time to grow out of that. I mean, I'm almost 42. So it took me, it took me a while to come out of that, but it became a very important piece of my story as a human because as I found my voice, which was partially, a lot of it was through working with spirit. I also felt the need to give a voice to nature and the trees and the rocks and the plants and anyone really who doesn't have a voice, right? Mm. Minorities and all of that. It, and all of a sudden, when I now that I have my voice and I can roar, I want to roar for everybody, right? And so <laughs> that's kind of how that started. But the the spiritual piece of it became very important because that was how I found my confidence and my purpose. Because we all have a purpose, right? But most of us, like we're born knowing it. But by the time we get to be adults, we've had so many other societal things coming at us that we have completely forgotten whatever it was. Hmm. So all of my spirit stuff kind of brought me back to that center, to that purpose. It took me a while, though, because at first it was like, well, maybe I'm supposed to help other people do this same thing that I just did. And maybe it's about healing animals or healing nature or this or that. But what I found out was all of that for me felt really niche because you have to kind of keep your conversations about that thing that you do. I want to roar for everybody. I want to talk about all the things. 
And the only way to talk about all the things was to write. Hmm. And it made total sense because in like third or fourth grade, before I had all of the societal messaging tell me that I had to be a certain way and do a certain thing, right. I wrote an essay about why I wanted to be a writer when I grew up. So I was kind of just coming home to my roots, just like moving to Vermont. I feel like I just came home. Like Vermont picked me. I didn't pick Vermont. I never thought I was leaving the house I was in. I was there for almost nine years and I thought I was going to die there. That was the plan. Not morbidly, but like my plan was to live there forever. Hmm. And I was sitting with spirit saying, but how do we get these books in hands? They're beautiful. And I'm so grateful for the words and I'm so grateful for my illustrator. But if nobody's reading them, they don't change anything. How do we get books in hands? And it took me a long time to really accept that I was being asked to move. But once I did, it was like, oh my God, what was I waiting for? <laughs> I love Vermont. I should have been here all the time. <laughs> I mean, I don't love everything, right? You're never going to 100% love everything, but that's why you get involved and try to make a difference, right? Whether it's, and you vote, right? And you do those things that you can do as a grown up to try to change things in ways that matter. Right. So, and so you mentioned too, and uh, uh, you mentioned before as well that you loved, you loved being like you thought you're going to be an educator, a teacher. You yes. you went into um, you know getting a special education degree. I did. Yeah. And, and at what point did you do you see this role as a teacher kind of being expressed as well as writing these books? For sure. Yeah, I, I'm a definitely like I'm a teach. My soul is an educator, but my expression is a teacher, mm. is a, is a, um, is a writer rather. Um, my heart was in the right place wanting to teach high school special ed. My skill set, my abilities, my sense of humor, not what the job requires. <laughs> I will never forget. It was like they make you wait until your last semester before you're in front of a classroom, which is just backwards, if you ask me. And I hope I can say that on the air. Um, <laughs> and they, and so literally, I'm in my last semester. I got two degrees at the same time. So I was in school for extra time. I paid for it by myself. Wow, okay. So I'm in my last semester, after all this time and all this money, and I get in front of a classroom, and I don't have any idea how to get them under control or just to sit quietly and pretend to listen, even. And I'm literally standing there going, sit down! <laughs> and one of the girls looks at me, and she says, do you know your nostrils flare when you're angry? <laughs> no, I didn't. Thank you so much. Can you sit now? Like, <laughs> it was not, it was not working. I fought my way through cause I'm not a quitter. So I fought and I had paid all this time and all this money. I was getting that degree if it killed me. Right. So I did, I graduated with my degree in special ed and my degree in social science. And I walked across that stage and I took my diploma and I never used them again. <laughs> <laughs> and do you see that so how do you how do you balance and I, is it one and the same or are these two uh, distinct different roles of being an educator but also an advocate because a lot of the, your your books also have an advocacy piece to it as well so i would say they're not the same role but they are connected you okay. can't advocate for something if you can't also teach about it because a big piece I have discovered of, of being an advocate is meeting people at their current knowledge and explaining the truth, whatever that is, right? And hoping they change their minds because you can't ever force anyone to change their mind. But 
hopefully if you have an open-minded person in front of you and you present them with information that's new or present what they know, but in a different way, they will change their mind on their own. Mm. So the two go hand in hand, but they are different roles. Right. And some, I mean, and some advocates do things that I don't do, right? Like they'll go and march in the streets. That's not so much me, but they will do that. And they're just as much an advocate, maybe not as much a teacher, right? right? Some teachers teach in the classroom and they just teach the curriculum that they're told to teach and they don't question whether or not it's actually valid because that's their job is to teach it. That's a teacher, not an advocate, but they, they can go hand in hand. And I, I personally think that they should. <laughs> so I guess, so the, I guess the question is like, we, we have a lot of, you know, authors that listen to this, listen to what or watch this program. Um, they're, you know, their, their question and their, their question is like, how, how are you able to make these so fast? So fast. Yeah. No. And it's a valid question. It totally is. And, and first of all, let's recognize these are not thousand plus page novels, right? Mm -hmm. Those are obviously going to take longer because there's just literally more typing to do, right? I mean, never mind, you know, all of the other work involved. There's literally just more words to type. So they're, of course, going to take longer. But also a lot of it really goes back to my process, right? Mm -hmm. Because I don't a lot of writers fall into this pattern where they carve out a time of day and they go and they sit in front of their computer or they sit with a notepad or whatever it is and they force themselves to try to write like NaNoWriMo, right? That's what that's all about is sitting down and forcing yourself to write a certain number of words. Mm. I say that's not valid. I say that's actually stamping on your own creative abilities because that comes through. I don't care if you call it working with spirit. I don't care if you call it your muse. I call it whatever you want. But that only comes through when you're at ease, mm -hmm. when you're relaxed, when you're comfortable. This is why in college, I had a roommate who, if she was writing an essay and she got stuck, she would take a shower. There was some nights she'd take three showers in one night, but she'd finish the damn essay. Because taking a shower relaxed her enough for her brain to go, ah. and then, then inspiration comes, right? You're singing and driving in the car and all of a sudden you get inspiration or you think of something or whatever, right? That's why that happens in those moments because you're not forcing your brain to try to do a thing. Right. So I don't do that. I, I, would, I, I get inspired. Usually it means I got pissed off about something and I'm literally sitting in my house, like reading something on social media, cursing at my phone as if it matters. And then I say, okay, if that's a book, I'm, I will be ready for it when it shows up. And I will be doing something completely unrelated, like making tea or having a shower or driving in the car or, feeding the cats or whatever it is. And boom, the book shows up and I have to go, okay, either like I literally one time I got an inspiration for the book. Um, actually the one that's coming out tomorrow. Um, I actually got the inspiration in the shower, like as I was starting the shower and I'm like, okay. And I literally said the first line or two that was in my head over and over again, out loud, walking through my house, finishing showering, you know, drying my hair, putting on clothes. Then I sat down and typed but I said it out loud over and over again so I wouldn't lose it between then and when I could sit down. But I do try to stop immediately and catch it because otherwise it does, it can leave, right? But right. It, always, it usually comes back too if it leaves. So it's not the end of the world, but it's frustrating. Right. Um, and that's Little Bear Scary Day, right? Yes, the one coming okay. out tomorrow. 
is Little Bear's Scary Day. Actually, the ebook is already out because those go faster, but the paperback should be out tomorrow. Wow. Um, okay. Assuming there's no issues. Right. So because I'm just like open and ready to catch the words basically when they show up, right. there isn't, it goes faster because I'm not pressuring myself. And my illustrator is freaking amazing. And he was doing two pages per day. He just recently figured out how to do three pages in a day. I don't even know. I can't even imagine. I can't draw anything. So I can't even imagine <laughs> illustrating three pages in a day. Um, so the, they'll even be coming faster, which is amazing because I have a backlog of about 33, I think. So <laughs> So you have, that was my other question. How many how many scripts do you have? You have a 33 backlog? Thereabouts. Yeah, well, let me see. Yeah, thereabouts. Because I think I just, yeah, my editor just finished going through number 64. So okay. yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And that's your team, your editor and, and, and Carlos Lopez. Yeah, and my, and, and obviously spirit. Yeah. And spirit. Yep. yep. And the plushies and the cats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you have, um, do you, do you have also like, how did you, so you the, the question before we went on the air, you're talking about how Carlos's work is kind of now part and parcel it's very much identified we, are, we, we have not met in person so when i say married i don't actually mean we have rings on each other's fingers but we are married in the sense of professionally i think yeah right. um he i mean first of all his his work is very distinctive i mean you've got all of those pictures up on your screen and they have a certain feel to them that's very different from most of the other work out there Right. Well, you know, if you're scrolling through social media and you come across that, you're going to know it's mine before you stop and read it. Right. Um, and he also has a very similar process. Like I sent him the text for the book. He sits down and reads it. And then he you know, does yoga or meditation or however it is. He taps into his version of whatever spirit is. Mm -hmm. And he gets the images that way. I very rarely have to change anything. And when I do, it's because I'm going for realism in some way. Like, but generally speaking, I don't have corrections. I don't have changes. I just go, wow, how'd you do that? Um. <laughs> so I guess, and the question is like an author's uh, authors might ask is, um, how did you find him in the first place? The magic of the internet. So, <laughs> um, I forget the site now. I think it was freelancer.com, maybe one of those sites. Hmm. Um, I don't even know if they still do this because he and I have been working together since like 2017. But um, back then they let you do this thing where you could run a contest and you basically set the terms of the contest. Okay. So I, you know, so I had uploaded like a couple of pages from my first book, Adri's Big Dream, and said, you know, I wanted I wanted people to submit sample illustrations. And they would win. I forget if it was like 20 bucks or whatever they would win. And um, also the opportunity to work with me on future books if they won. Some of the stuff I got back, I'm telling you, I can't draw stick figures that look like things, but I could have done better than some of these things I got back. <laughs> but his, he sent me this book. He sent me the illustrations for one of the pages. And I just... I just knew like in my gut, my soul, I knew like, this is the one and we have worked together ever since. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. And he must be happy to be working with an author that is, 
Well, it's amazing for him because like most freelancers, right? And I'm a freelancer with like other things. Like, we get paid when we get paid. Right. Yeah. But because it was very clear, like the first couple, so the first few books, I just paid him when the book was done. But after a while, like he kept, you know, he started to get more comfortable with me and he started every once in a while, he would message me and say, Hey, do you mind just paying me for what I've done so far? You know, I need to get groceries or whatever. Of course right. I don't mind. Right. I totally get that need. Yes. You have to eat because if you don't eat, you can't keep drawing. So selfishly, yes. I'm happy to pay you, right? so, um, so eventually I just said, you know, what if I just paid you a certain amount each week? And then when the book is done, I'll just pay you the difference. And he says, you'd be willing to do that. I said, of course, we're going to be working together for the rest of our lives. It's fine. <laughs> so, so now that's what I do. And it's actually easier for me too, because it means that there's not like a big chunk. Right. It's like little bits, little bits, little bits, bigger bit. Yeah. So um, it, it actually helps me with my budget too, to do it that way. So. And and did you have to set up like a contract or anything with him? Did you? I mean, people probably should. I'm never going to advise you not to, but he and I did not. Um, we just innately trust each other. Right. Um, yeah. And so talk about how you like your inspiration. You say it kind of com it comes in without expecting and how so artists of all kinds will will talk about that where like you know the muse or the spirit or something whatever it is, whatever it is will kind of hit you at that maybe in an inopportune time but what so do you are you the kind of person who will have kind of like a notepad next to your bed or or I something in the car to. or how does that um, work i used to but i actually have a re i have a really hard time sleeping I've never been a good sleeper, even as a kid. Like the rule was you have to be in bed by this time. As long as you're quiet, you can do whatever you want. So I got really good at just being quiet. And I, I, I was a reader, right? Mm. I read in bed all the I still read in bed every night. The only way I can fall asleep is if I read in bed. <laughs> I just, and so because of that, I stopped keeping a notepad by the bed because as soon, if I get that inspiration in the middle of the night and I wake up to write it down, I'm awake. Okay. I am awake. And so by removing that notepad, I also kind of created a boundary with spirit because you are allowed to have boundaries with spirit. You're mm -hmm. allowed to have boundaries with every single being. <laughs> and so by taking that out of the bedroom, I created this boundary saying, you are not allowed mm. to wake me up with this. It's not always opportune, right? Like in the shower is not the best time, but it didn't wake me up. Yeah. And I didn't forget it when I got, you know, I, I managed to, you know, get it all done and still get the book. So it was fine. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't keep the, the notepad because I need my sleep too. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm really curious about, you know, all, all these books, because you do mention, you know, you, you compare it to the point of also like the, you know, Richard Scarry where, yes. you know, the busy, busy world. So yes. everything was kind of intertwined. Like you had reoccurring characters going yes. through. So his are different in that regard. Okay. Um, all of mine stand alone. There are no intertwining characters. Um, although I will say, if you look carefully, sometimes the characters repeat in illustrations. I was going to ask you, is there any Easter eggs for people that are... There are there Easter are... eggs. And I'm not going to tell you where they are. <laughs> but sometimes a character in one book comes back as an illustration or a piece of an illustration in another book. Okay. Just saying. Do you have any uh, working on it, like say, like any sequels to any specific characters that 
you're just not done telling about wow it. yeah so i have not actually announced this on my community yet so you guys are hearing it first here wow okay. on story comic presents you're hearing it first get ready <laughs> so ellie of the woods um the whole premise is she she is a child of the forest and she's raised by nature and one day she has to leave her woods and go out and do healing in the world right and that story literally was being illustrated as I was moving to Vermont. I didn't even know I was gonna move when I wrote that book, okay? But Spirit knew, yep. <laughs> Spirit knew. And I have realized since being here that Ellie and I are the same. She is me, I am her, and her story is my story. And it does continue, but not as a children's book. It actually continues as a series of beginner chapter books for, so for the kid that's not ready for a full-on novel oh cool the, the the full cut like the picture books are a little too babyish like that in between stage um there's right now there's three they're not out yet i don't know when they're going to be out yet so don't ask <laughs> but but right now it's a series of three that continue her adventure and they sort of mirror what i know my journey so far at least what I know about my journey and where it's going and what I personally need to work on in order for that to happen. Right. Um, so yeah, that one continues. <laughs> so talk to us a bit about one of the, one of the things you brought up um, in the previous interviews is that your challenge you feel is just like the marketing aspect is kind of the challenge. Yes. Is there, you know, working on this um, challenges in creating a brand with your relationship, with your, finding that one illustrator that kind of speaks to the to the theme and the and the pace of the stories you're telling is is there a point where like is there any ideas of working on larger marketing things with with these books as well so i've actually been tackling that um a little before i moved but a lot since i moved um i have an instagram coach and she's really helped me not just with figuring out Instagram, which in and of itself is a little bit of a mystery when you're as old as I am. Um, but she doesn't just help with that. She's really helped me to define what my personal brand is. And it's stuffed animals and it's play and it's puppets and it's fun. Part of my identity and part of my brand, although you don't have to identify with this piece of it to enjoy the books, is also being vegan. Like I, I feel like I have identified a brand for myself now. Um, but it, it did take a long time in part because I was still sort of figuring out like, are books the only thing, not that, not to say only to minimize them, but like, I've been, I've been blessed to have a lot of gifts in this life. And I really had to figure out, do I want to try to do all the things or not? And how to do that? And like, how do I show up? And so I had to really work through that and figure out what brings me the most joy and what brings me the most joy is the books because I can roar for everyone, <laughs> right? And once I figured that out, it became this sort of a little painful bit process of peeling back the layers of myself to expose enough where people connect with me as a person, right? Because as a person brand, they have people have to connect with you. They have to be excited about you. They have to, you know, it's not like a company where you can hide behind a cool logo, right? There is none of that when it's a personal brand. And I had to really peel back those layers and it was not always easy right. and it was not always fun. But now that I'm here, I'm feeling really actually really good about 
the personal brand that I'm creating. And that's why I was like, all right, now I'm ready to get pictures. Cause I know what, I know who I am. I know what my brand is. I know how I need to show up. Right. Um, so I'm actually really excited to kind of see how that shifts things. Um, <laughs> and do you have, is, is there any other uh, pieces of looking at it from that branding perspective is cards or if there's, uh, you know, like greeting yeah. cards or, or stickers yeah. so, or I mean, that would require more work from my illustrator, obviously, right. um, which I kind of want to just keep him focused on the books because right. 300's a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but I did have um, this woman who does, she does stuff with like the cry cut machine. Um, she actually made stickers based on like the graphics that I already use on my social media for all of my characters. Um, so I've been sort of like places where I sell locally, I've mm. been handing out stickers to them, but one of the places actually gave me this brilliant idea of stickers that say Vermont author, but are done sort of in my branding. So I'm having that same person do those cause he does, my illustrator doesn't have to design those. She can use stuff that's already there. Right. So as I mean, that's it sort of for now, like maybe I would love to have stuffed animals of all of my characters, like not just like, Hey, I found a donkey. So I'll use this one for my donkey book, but literally ones that are designed as the characters in the book. But that's like an extensive effort and down the road someday. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so talk to us a bit about also on your, you know, your, as you say, you got, there's 31, 30 now, 30, uh, 31st is coming out tomorrow. Yes. Which one of these books did you actually, not to say that you have to pick a favorite child or anything, um, <laughs> but like which one of these stories that, that just kind of like flew off the page for you? Like it didn't take you much and which ones kind of, you said um, like your editor friend said, do you got to tweak it a little bit here or there? Which well, they all always have tweaks. Um, yeah. I mean, in part because as any writer will tell you, we all have our one, mistake that we make every single time, right? And no matter what we do, we think we're doing it the opposite way, so therefore it's gonna be right and we still do it wrong. Like we all have that one thing. And yours is punctuation, right? Mine is, is that... punctuating dialogue specifically. Oh, punctuating dialogue, okay. Specifically, it's punctuating dialogue. I don't know what my mental block is about it, but literally every single thing that has dialogue in it has been tweaked because I just, can't seem to get it right. <laughs> this is why we have editors. <laughs> Thank God for Abby, because I swear. And I always, when I email her the things, I'll always be like, FYI, there's a lot of dialogue or whatever. Um, but I actually call, so I refer to it as like a birthing process with the books, right? And some of them are like that, that really easy labor where it's like, oh, did I just give birth? And some of them are like, oh my God, I was in labor for 72 hours and it was hell the entire time, right? Um, <laughs> You know, it's funny, like they say you forget labor pains. I wouldn't know not being a mom except to cats, but they say mm -hmm. you forget labor pains. And I feel like that same hap th same thing happens with the books. Mm -hmm. I will say, so this one isn't out yet. Um, it'll be coming out this winter. I wrote, graduated with 88 kids in my class, very small school. We, you know, nobody had freedom to be themselves. So I actually wrote a story that is about a Jewish girl and her sticking up for herself and her heritage and her religion. And it was, it's really actually my, it's like my true life story, mm -hmm. but I, posited as fiction in this children's book. That one, I felt it like spinning inside my body for probably a solid year and a half. That one was probably the hardest one. 
to to get on the page. And I don't know if it's because it was just my story and so personal or what it was, but it just, it took me a long time for that one to break free. I actually talked to this woman that I only know through Instagram, who does um, a lot of coaching for multicultural families about how to honor all the cultures involved in their hair in both, you know, whatever their heritage is are. Um, and she, she's also a children's author. And I was like, I, I need your help. I don't, I can't get this story out of me and I need your help. And just talking to her helped free it up for some reason. What's my question? What, what is your oldest story that hasn't been made into a book yet? Um, so the one that's the oldest, I forget how far back it dates, but the one that's the oldest and hasn't been published yet is actually about um, the, the rainforest and specifically about how our desire for all things palm, which we, people don't even realize it's in everything. Palm oil is in food. It's in beauty products. And people think, oh, it's palm. It's vegan. It's, it's plants. No, it's not because you're destroying the orangutans habitat and killing them at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I saw this image on social media of a mother orangutan pushing against this big bulldozer thing that was tearing down all the trees trying to save her baby Hmm. first i got mad then i cried then i wrote a book (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know when that one will be out but i know that when the time is right for it to come out it will come out right Um, that one's definitely the oldest so you have so you came out with uh as we say it's your 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 most recent book that came out last month in June was Tommy's Transformation. Yes. Um and before we before we went live you're talking a little bit about its story. Yes. So <laughs> Tommy is a transgender turtle. The thing is we've you don't know there could actually be transgender turtles. Have you ever right. talked to a turtle? You don't know. There could be. But even if there's not, it's a kid's story. And the point is to help them understand things. And so, yeah, so Tommy, he is, he's born in a male body, but he identifies as Tina. And when he's a little boy, he starts to wear his sister's clothes because he likes how he looks in the mirror as a girl. And And as he gets older, his parents start to get all like, that's not okay. Like, take off those clothes, behave yourself, whatever. But he gets, you know, he gets upset and whatever. And thankfully, his parents are aware and compassionate enough to send him to a turtle therapist. And the turtle therapist explains to Tommy that what he's feeling is totally normal because some people, some turtles, are born in bodies that look different on the outside from how they feel on the inside. And that's okay. And that he needs to tell his parents and have, and so that he can be respected for herself at home and still being Tommy in this moment gets very upset. And so the turtle therapist helps Tommy slash Tina tell his slash her parents. And from that point forward, she is allowed to be Tina and identify as female because that's what makes sense to her. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That I mean, this is good because it's there's not a lot of there's not a lot of children's books that kind of like talk about this. No, there aren't. People feel like it's too complicated for kids, but you know, it's funny. I've been divorced longer now than I was married. But when I was married, one of the things that when we would get into a fight, one of the things that my ex-husband used to say was, "Sarah, you see the world and it's so black and white." And to me, it really is black and white. And I don't think that's a bad thing, I, mm. at least for my 
career path because kids see it as very black and white too. It is or it isn't, it's right or it's wrong, right? This is why every kid's story has a princess and a, a, you know, a prince and like the, you know, the hero and the bad thing that the, the prince has to fight off to save the princess, right? It's very misogynistic, but <laughs> there's the good versus the evil. Even adult movies, right? There's always the good versus the evil. Well, that's black and white. That's a very black and white view. Could there be people who are meaning well and do, and do bad things? Of course. But in the kid's world, you're either a good person or you're a bad person, right? You're a stranger or you're not. Kids break it down into that very simple, that's where their magic lies, right? Mm. Because they see it so black and white, they can look at an adult and go, yeah, but you're telling me it's wrong and you're doing it anyway, what? <laughs> right? And the parents are left going, uh, uh, because there's no way to answer that because they've literally broken it down to that black and white thing. And so as much as I'm sure it frustrated the hell out of my poor ex-husband, <laughs> Yeah, to me, it is very black and white. Right. Gender is not. Gender is very fluid. But the issue of whether or not people are allowed to identify however they choose to, that to me is very black and white. The answer is, of course they can. <laughs> <laughs> There's no question about that. You know, right. it, it is what it is. Look, you are whoever you are. feel inside, whether that's male or female or something in between, whether that's you feel old or young, whether that's you feel a particular call towards a religious way of being. Whatever you feel inside is your truth. Right. And people need to be allowed to live that and honor that as long as they're not hurting anyone else. Right. Well, so, so Sarah, where can people find you if they want to like um, learn more and just uh, want to read more of your books? Sure. So my um, social media, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest and all of that is Sarah Woodard authoress, which if you have that up, that would be cool. Um, and then, yeah, it's not, and unfortunately BookBub doesn't let you pick yours, but if you have like Instagram or something open, right. um, just so people can see, but it's, so it's my name, Sarah Woodard, and then it's author and then ESS authoress, like goddess or princess. Okay. Um, I feminized it. And then um, the books are all on Amazon for people who are not local to the Brattleboro area. But if you are local, um, you can also find them at, let me see, we've got some at Everyone's Books and they can order any of them if there's something you want and you'd rather go through them, they can order any of them. Um, there is one, last I checked, there's one copy of Bo Diddley um, at the, the food co-op in Brattleboro. There's a few at the Newfane store and then just recently, I got 12 books into um, the Vermont shop on Main Street in Brattleboro. So if people are local, those are some options also. Mm. Uh, and you also have a Patreon account as well. I do. Thank you. Yes. Oh. <laughs> so this is actually my biggest marketing challenge right now. We were talking about marketing earlier. And my biggest marketing challenge is a lot of people don't know what Patreon is or why it matters. But if people want to support the work, um, it, Please do buy the books, but if you want to support the work and for whatever reason don't feel compelled to buy a book or whatever, Patreon is an amazing option. Um, I highly recommend the $7 a month level because there's coloring pages. Oh, that's cool. Yes. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> and whatever level is always appreciated. Right. <laughs> yeah. You got some likes. You just got some really nice levels on here too. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
well, this has been, yeah, this has been great, Sarah. This is, I, I'm so excited to, I'm so excited to be able to sit down and chat with you and, and come back on next time. I would love to. Yeah. Next when any of your books, I mean, just you know, literally pick a day. Cause I'll have a book coming out. If it's exactly. in <laughs> literally pick a day. <laughs> right. Yeah. So thank you very much there. And, and yeah, come back on. This has been great. I, oh, I would love to. This has been really fun. Thank you so much. You're welcome.